For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. You love the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me get a hell yeah. Hell yeah. This is the Kelly Green Show. You're a underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. I am excited to have the three most knowledgeable Eagles fans I've interacted with on Twitter as my guest today. These ladies always bring insight, context, and rationale to the timeline, and I feel so honored they were willing to come on the show and discuss the future of this franchise. Ladies, why don't you get a chance to introduce yourselves to the uh, listeners, and then we'll get into uh, more of what's going on with this team. All right. Um, my name is Rebecca, uh, aka at Sister Outlaw on Twitter. Um, it's my first podcast squadcast with these awesome ladies, so I'm just, you know, feeling the vibes and filling in in the background. Hey, I'm uh, Kiana Orkey, also known as Real Mama Eagle. You guys know me on Twitter as the uh, the very crazy person. I'm also a full time Twitch streamer, and I play video games and talk sports as well. And I'm Alyssa. I also known as A Bauer91 on Twitter. Um, it's also my first podcast experience, so I'm looking forward to chatting with these ladies about this team. And I'm so excited that you all were able to come on. Uh, you know, just even being the first time for your podcast, like you guys are always on Twitter talking about this team, and I love your takes. I think that you always have really good perspective. So so excited to you know, get you highlighted for, you know, more people to follow you potentially. And, and, and let's uh, see if maybe the, um, the gods will hear what we have to say and, and help this team because they're struggling right now. Here's um, hoping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Before we get into the doom and gloom of the 2020 Eagles, let's chat a little bit about why we actually like this team and why we still bother to uh, talk about them all the time. A good memory is obviously the 2017 Eagles, but they were truly a shock to my system. It was the second year of Carson and Peterson. They were 7-9 and nine and last in the NFC East the previous season. We had just been through the Chip Kelly turmoil, but we saw Howie being aggressive, erasing a lot of the marks he made on the team. He brought in some really strong and uh, potentially game-changing uh, free agents during the offseason like Alshon Jeffrey, Chris Long, like Garrett Blunt. Uh, but what was the point during the 2017 season that you realized that this team had the potential to go to the Super Bowl? I would say for me, it, it would definitely be that game at home in Philly against the Chicago Bears. The way they just dominated the Bears offensively and defensively, and then the way they celebrate on the field, you just knew that team had that it factor on both sides of the ball. And they had, a, they had a, a, up to that point, had a pretty, pretty long winning streak. So it, you just felt it at that moment. 
What about you, Alyssa? Yeah, I would say the first time I remember thinking like this team is special was during a conversation on Thanksgiving with a family member. Someone asked me, do you think they can do it? And I hesitated, but I said, yeah, I think they really can. And uh, they lost the week after, of course, but um, it still was such a long winning streak and the way they dominated the Broncos and the Bears, like we just talked about. Um, you could tell that there was something there. Rebecca? Um, I kind of got a glimpse in the Panthers game. It was a short week, Thursday night. Nobody thought Carson would do it. Panthers had like a crazy defense. Um, and then we did it again against Denver. 50 points. I mean, a prime Von hard, Miller. A hard to, to deny that. I mean, it was it was crazy. As soon as Alshon scored, I was like, oh, oh, no. This this might get really bad. And then we had a bye week and, you know, we took off. But that it was that Denver game that I really felt no one could stop this offense. Yeah, it was such a special team. It was it was such a, a crazy time because a lot of people were saying, oh, it was just the Bears. They're terrible. It was just the Broncos. They're terrible. You know, it was like so much was saying, you know, don't get your hopes up too soon. And And for <laughs> me, it was like, you got Kobe Bryant to come talk to them when they right. went to the Rams game. Like Kobe Bryant is mm-hmm. speaking to this team. And then you just saw the the roster come out of that conversation with him. And they were like changed. Like they were like Mamba mentality. And they were just like really taking on that, um, that real energy. Of course that happened right before Carson um, tore his ACL. Of so for me, it was like, <laughs> You know, if any, if there was any time that this team needed more of a motivation to say we still can do this, it's one player is not going to define this special team. That was the moment that I felt like they really needed that conversation, and you know, obviously it worked out for us. So, at what point during the Super Bowl did you know the Eagles were going to win that game? I'll start with this one. If any, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll start with this one. Um, Honestly, the the BG strip sack, we all felt really good, I guess. Like, we were like, oh, wow, finally, we can do this. But truthfully, it wasn't until the ball hit the ground. I really didn't didn't know it was going to happen until the ball hit the ground. Um, I would, pr- so there's, there's, there's one moment where I thought we might have it. And that was when we actually went for it on fourth and short on our side of the field and got it. And I was like, okay, you know what? They're going to score on this drive. They're going to score on this drive. But then I'm like, wait a minute. No, Brady's going to have like two minutes left. So it, it definitely was a strip sack because at that point we were pretty much in Patriots territory. And I was like, no way Jake Elliott's missing. So I, I, we were good then. Um, what about be, you, Rebecca? To be honest, I, It'll sound cheesy, but I could just kind of knew from the beginning of the game. As soon as they came out, they came out to Meek. I mean, at the Super Bowl, you come out to Meek Mill, okay. And But with the injuries, Carson, we already had uh, Sproles down and Peters. And, you know, we, we brought in Ajayi and Blunt, and Nick did well, I mean, after the Falcons game. But I just felt there was no way. We're not beating the Patriots and Tom Brady the second time after all this adversity. There's just no way. I don't know what the score was going to be. I had no idea it was going to be a shootout, 41-33, Hail Mary, strip sack. It was nuts. My anxiety was through the roof. You know, I felt like I wanted to vomit half the game. But I just (laughs) knew somehow we were going to win that game. We had to. We just had to. We couldn't lose. If you're a non-Eagles or Patriots fan, that was honestly the best game ever to watch. 
Yeah, for sure. Like it was (laughs) great Super Bowl. Yeah. Outside of the halftime show, it was great. Yeah. Uh, I was so stressed out during that game. I didn't even watch the halftime show. I I couldn't even enjoy it. I was miserable. And we were leading at halftime and I was still miserable. Same. Yep. I I lived in Atlanta when we went to the Super Bowl and I had seen the Falcons lose it the year Mm. before. So even though I felt really, really like confident, like Rebecca said, like going into the game, I was really, really wanting this win. I I didn't let myself until like you said, Alyssa, till the ball hit the (laughs) ground and they said the game's over. I was like, okay, it happened. It it was like a shock. It took a second for it to sink in and then the tears came and then the tears came immediately. I don't I don't recall a game where they said the game is over like that. Like and the game is call. over and, they, like, they <laughs> and put, time runs out. Like, come on, do better. I was like, are you just going to say this, the game's over? You're not going to say like the Eagles win well, yeah. the Super Bowl. Thank you, Meryl, like, for uh, filling that in. Yeah. <laughs> we got some terrible commentary from those uh, oh, God. Uh, Sunday night guys. But Chris and Al did a terrible job in that game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. We want it. It doesn't matter. It still counts. So um, a, a difficult thing, and I think a lot of people on Twitter do put on the GM hat sometimes, the the owner hat, and try to figure out what's going to go on with this organization. They try to get in the brain, get in the perspective of the person who has to make these tough decisions. Um, so let's just assume you guys are the owner. Put on your Jeffrey Lurie hat, uh, hat and uh, let's evaluate what the next steps are for this organization. Is it your mindset that they're going to need some wide scale changes or are you leaning towards augmenting the current staffing for stability sake? I guess it depends on what you view as stability, because I think you, you really can't right the wrongs unless you get rid of Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm. I do believe that Doug and Carson Wentz are fi- fixable. I would just sit down with Doug and say, you know, Hey, what you're doing with the offense has not been working. It's looked it's looked this bad since 2018. I want you to bring in an offensive mind so that you can so that you and Carson can be better. Um, if Doug does not if Doug is not willing to do that, then I would consider at that point making that decision. Um, and as much as I banged on the fire Jim Schwartz drum, I kind of feel like personnel hasn't helped him, and I kind of feel like I don't really have an argument for firing him this year. But that's what I would do. I would definitely fire Howie first. Alyssa? Yeah, I think um, wide-scale changes are probably what is best for the franchise. I I don't know that that will happen. Uh, But uh, like he had mentioned about Howie, the disconnect between the front office and the coaching is so evident that specifically on the defensive side, like he mentioned about Jim Schwartz, it's just that I don't think you can keep him around. I'm willing to let Doug stay around as long as offensive minds, there's some changes, maybe less voices in the room. Honestly, it seems like there's so many people suggesting things. And um, I don't think press Taylor is helping. Um, Unfortunately, he's buddy, buddy with Carson doesn't seem to be what works for Carson the best. Um, All the reports say that DeFilippo and Reich kind of wrote him hard and that worked obviously. So I think we just have to get back to, what works with Carson because he's not going anywhere. So you have to kind of build around that. What about you, Rebecca? Um, I would say you kind of need a mixture. Like he said, I would definitely go with firing Howie first. He's been here 20 years. Um, How many pro bowlers have we drafted? The last one was Carson. And now everyone wants to get rid of Carson. 
So is it Howie's fault? Is it Doug's fault? Is it Carson's fault? It's definitely Howie's fault. Every year there's a, we miss on this guy, we miss on this guy. And I mean, I don't know how much Doug can deal with when he doesn't have the talent. Sure, his play calling is trash and we should definitely get someone who can bring some creativity to the offense. You can't draft a guy like Regor and, and have him run, running a, a curl route on the best <laughs> cornerback as, as the, the game-saving play. That, that's not it. And he doesn't run the ball. I don't know if that's on Howie. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but Howie's got to go. Um, and and Schwartz, I it's tough, but I think he needs to go. There's there's a lot of favoritism. Gary, Duke <laughs> Riley, Mills. Why yeah. was Parks let go? Why are the rookies not playing? We're three seven and one. I, there's he hasn't produced any Pro Bowlers either. I mean. Brandon Graham, as talented as he is, has not made the Pro Bowl once. Fletcher Cox, no double-digit sacks. Derek Barnett, not developing right. I mean, he's okay, but there's just not enough development. So, yeah, there's a lot of change that needs to go, and it's going to be tough to let people go, but it has to it has to happen. I think the, the balancing act for so many organizations is um, when to move on. Like, Sometimes you just need to make a decision and and stick to it. Like we decided two years in or three, I can't even remember how long it was. It was just a terrible time, but the Chip Kelly years were so terrible, but we knew when to move on. You know, like I think the the ring clouds a lot of things for people. So it's, it definitely clouds it for me. Sometimes I just can't like possibly imagine moving on from the regime that took the ring, like Mm -hmm. uh, took, got us the ring. Um, so it is a struggle, but it's almost like you need Lori to have a clear set plan. You need to identify a potential GM before you make that decision to move on from Howie. I think there are some potential options. I don't know if Lewis Riddick even wants to be a GM, but uh, everybody is he talking after, about like, it. after that broadcast on Monday, <laughs> I think he wants his job. Yeah. I think it, was like a, it was like I an open so. audition on live yeah. television. <laughs> Public I, interview. <laughs> Public interview for the job. Definitely. It was hilarious. Yeah. I, I I do agree. I think um I think if you have the mindset that you want to move on, you have to have a clear plan in place for that um for that to happen. Like if you're gonna move on from Peterson, okay, well clearly you I think you need a new GM regardless. Uh, that's how I feel. Um, so if a new GM comes in and says, no, I don't want to hitch my wagon to this Peterson offense. Like I don't blame a GM for wanting to come in and say, no, I want my own guy. Um, I wouldn't fault, you know, Riddick as an example, coming in and say, I want a new coach. Um, but you know, I do think that Wentz is the, the option at quarterback at this point, because of the contract, you can't really, you're not moving that. that. Nope. Yeah. So, it, I mean, you've got to work with him. And I think that there are a lot of people in the league that believe that he can get right and turn this thing around. And so, you know, the conversation about, you know, Wentz hurts all this other stuff. It's it's kind of just to fill time. It's not really going to be anything substantial. Wentz is going to be the guy for the next few years, at least. Um, so if you can get him right and play well and, you know, see what happens otherwise you know you're gonna you know suffer 
yeah. longer term. So I just don't uh, want them to make the mistakes that like, I don't know if I, like who follows the Phillies heavily, but I just don't, the oh 2008 God. Phillies, oh. they held on to those players for so long. And I just don't want them to do the same thing. Loyalty can be a really big pain in sports mm-hmm. and I don't want that to harm us. And we're going to get into a very specific conversation about that <laughs> in yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah. So, so moving on to the next conversation, the cap space is a very tough one to navigate. And a lot of people don't really um, totally comprehend what's going on with it. So I'm not going to get into the details, but I did want to pull out two specific contracts that will be heavily reviewed and discussed and argued over the timeline over the next coming months. I am sure of it. Um, In 2019, the Eagles paid Nelson Aguilar the fifth-year option on his rookie contract, and we all know how that went. Um, Not trying to skew your views of it, but let's face it, we haven't had very many um, first-round picks that we've had had this discussion about in the last few years. Marcus Smith, obviously, we weren't going to pick up his fifth-year option. Terrible. Marcus but you do have to you do have to have that conversation about Derek Barnett because he is now set to make ten million dollars on his his fifth year option. So are you paying him that short term one year ten ten million dollars? Are you letting him walk in free agency? Oh. Or are you signing him long term and trying to reduce his salary number for two thousand twenty one? If you would have asked me this question two months ago, I probably would have said no. Mm-hmm. Let him walk. No, no, no. I mean, I would have said, let him walk. But if you really pay attention over the last two months, Barnett mm-hmm. has come on and he showed his true potential. He's in the backfield. He's getting sacks. He's creating pressure. I would keep him. And I would, would you keep him uh, long-term, like give him a full, full deal. Or oh. would you give him that one year? Keep proving I would, it. I would probably hook him with the prove a deal. Okay. I don't think he's okay. earned a long-term, but, but I think he's earned the right to stay another season. Absolutely. What do you think, Alyssa? Um, I agree. I Barnett has played well. Um, we're seeing some more of that potential. I'm not sure that it's still the level of potential that we were sold on when he was drafted. Um, you know, when you quote Reggie White's numbers and then compare him, that's really not <laughs> fair to do. That's a um, high bar, though. It's that's a high, high bar, bar. And you said it in Philadelphia. So that was sure. not smart. But um, <laughs> I think that... I would probably go with the prove it deal as well. I don't think he's worth the $10 million, um, especially with their, how strapped their cap situation is going to be. Um, and I don't think the league probably views them that way either. So I think you'll be able to get him on a prove it deal. Yep. Okay. What about you, Rebecca? You had some um, things to say about Barnett a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I would definitely keep him considering um, we don't have much talent on the D line and to begin with. Um, a lot of guys are going to be leaving. Malik Jackson, definitely. Too many penalties, not worth that cap. Um, not going to touch on one other person. I'm pretty sure that's another part of a segment. <laughs> um, Josh Wett. Anyone else after that? Can you name? Nope. Joe Ostman, maybe. Uh, hey, we gave Avery's away on Casey. An off IR. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. does he play? <laughs> I'm not even sure. We're going to keep him. Uh, we don't use him. I would love to use him, but we don't. Um, we don't have much talent, so unfortunately, yes, we do have to keep him. Um, I'm not even sure it's how he's going to be the GM or if there's going to be a new one, but what are we going to be drafting in the draft? Probably won't be uh, defensive lineman high. If it is, um, I'm not even sure if they're going to – What's what? I, I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Yes, he might be a starter next year. Um, we, we don't have much in the, in the – 
in the cupboard to begin with. So you can give them a prove it deal. I would honestly try to get them to like a three year deal, maybe, you know, seven million a year. One year is guaranteed. That is your prove it deal. You have, you know, incentives to earn more or a longer deal, but we need somebody who can be here now. He's only like 23. So there's yeah. still room to improve. He is coming off injury, so I can see why his his play is picking up now. So yes, I would definitely give him something now because we need someone who can who's definitely going to be here starting next year. I I do hear you, and I think that the thing for Derek Barnett is the injury factor. You don't mm-hmm. want to give him a long term deal unless you know that he can be available. Um, so. Uh, the one year $10 million is probably going to be what ends up happening just because it's the easy option. Um, but the cap situation is pretty terrible, so it won't be that much of a enjoyable situation because you would prefer to maybe give, give him a long-term deal and say, you know, we'll only give you $7 million this year, but we'll pay you a little bit more on the back end of your contract. Um but then if you pay him now and he's injured, then people will complain about it like we are seeing with Alshon Jeffrey and other players. So it's the kind of thing that is an interesting um, juggling act when you're trying to figure out how to put this whole roster together and manage it to be as effective as possible. Um, this next one we're going to be talking about is a tough one for me, and I honestly don't even like thinking about it. Uh, BG, uh, he is really good this year. He has been fantastic, actually. He's probably one of the highlights of this current season, even though there haven't been that many highlights. Um, and we haven't really deserved him, but the reality is that his cap hit is currently 17 million for next year. So if they cut him after June of this offseason, the front office would save $13 million in cap space. So with that being said, an aging roster, expensive roster, are you pulling a Joe Banner and letting go of one of the city's most beloved players? Rebecca, I'll let you go first. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, you, you know, it is tough. Uh, it, it's a tearjerker either way. Um, in an ideal world, no, you're not going to let him go because he's BG. He has been here through Andy, through Chip, through Doug. He started off awful. We compared him to Earl Thomas. Now look at him. He is our diamond in the rough, you know, Super Bowl champion. But at $17 million, I can't do it. Um, I would love for him to get double-digit sacks and, you know, earn that contract, but with with the cap going down, um, we just can't afford it. And I could see a scenario where he's traded to Kansas City or Indianapolis. You know, he's comfortable with those coaches. Um, I would prefer that he just retires an eagle, you know, just sticks around and and trains the defensive linemen because we need something. Um, but no, at $17 million, I, I got to say, I love you, BG. Um, thanks for everything, but it's it's got it's time to go. Uh, I think if we, uh, I'm sorry, this is a, this is a sensitive <laughs> subject. Um, I it's think- hard to, it's hard to disconnect your emotions from a player like, yeah. like, I mean, it's the same thing as Brian Dawkins is now. Like we look back and we say, why did we ever do that? But like I said, wait till, like I said, wait till we have the Kelsey conversation later. Nah, <sighs> but, um, 
post June one, I feel like, um, I feel, like I said, that's a, that's a, a colossal amount of cap space that could possibly help you, you know, sign someone or even give someone else a contract. Here's the thing with BG. I mean, he started out rough, but you're talking about a guy who's literally got better with age. Like, like you normally see players regress after age 28, 29. This guy posted two stellar seasons after that point, which is crazy. He's known for one of the biggest plays in, in Eagles history. He's he's he constantly lives in the backfield. He's been one of the leaders and tackles for a loss over like the last four seasons in the NFL. One of the one of the many leaders. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I at this point. 17 million. I can't like even at the and he I feel like he's gonna go somewhere and still play at a high level. I feel like that's that's yep. going to happen because I don't think he wants to retire. He will retire as an eagle one day. He will. But I, I don't I with what with, with how we look right now and the amount of holes we have to fill, I, I just I don't know if I can justify it. I just can't. And that's that gonna day. be a day I prop I'm gonna cry that day. <laughs> yep. Totally. So you're really going to make me talk about BG, huh? Um, really going to make you do it. Really going to make me do it. Um, oh, it's so hard. Like every, like Rebecca and Key have said, he's been productive this year. Um, I'm still holding out hope for double-digit sacks. Um, but the cap is a lot. Um, I think I would definitely approach BG and have a conversation about the cap number. I He has taken discounts previously, though, so I can't imagine he will – uh, want to do that at this point in his career. Um, but I'd have to have a conversation with him first and try to add a year, do something to lower the cap number, do, do something to, to figure it out. Cause I don't, I don't want to pull a Joe banner. I don't want to let our Brian Dawkins go, um, right. again. And I don't think Jeffrey Lurie does either. Um, we have seen how loyalty has gotten this team into trouble, um, and potential loyalty to the wrong people. BG is not the person that's wrong to be loyal to. So in my perspective, Um, but I think you definitely have to negotiate that cap number down. And then if, if he can't do it, I think you do have to let him, let him go. You got to figure that out. See, I think he would want to stay at a lower cap hit and the organization loves BG. They love him. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I I do feel like there will be a conversation and something will get done. I I think Brandon Graham would absolutely take a lower cap hit, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think he wants to be here. Yeah, and I, I made it a very difficult question, bring, <laughs> framing it just as it is. I can't really change the numbers for you, but that's just the reality of yeah. what it is right now. So obviously things can change and move around. And and I think you said it very well, Alyssa, saying, you know, like he is not the wrong person to be loyal to. I think that is something that all fans can agree on. He's one player that has really developed under this this team um we haven't seen that many players develop as well as as we've seen bg and he is brian brian he is the brian dawkins of our generation like we really grew up watching this guy develop into such a a huge part a leader of this team and for for that to be something that goes this off season would be a huge a uh, huge loss uh on a very disappointing year so um i i hope that it gets worked out and and we don't have to cry after the way the after the way the fans complained about the BG pick, did you ever think we would be talking about him like this? No. Never, never. Yeah, I know. Never. Crazy, it's crazy. So let's just uh, also on that note, um, let's talk about the fact that you know you should give these rookies a little bit more of a leash. You know, like Barnett got a little bit better this year, so we were talking about potentially keeping him. You know, everybody was 
dragging Barnett, saying he was a bust and stuff like that. Already doing it with Rager, and he hasn't even had a chance to really play. He had some injuries, so you got to give these these guys a little bit of a chance. Stop comparing them to the guys that they were picked before or after, and and stop doing all that crazy gymnastics in your head that just let them develop and see what they do. Like you don't just take two games, three games and decide that they're not a good player anymore. Like right. I, I know you want to compare them to everybody, but let's just give them a chance. That's all I got to say about that. I'll get off my soapbox. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's admittedly been a horrible season, but have you found at least one long-term silver lining from it? Of Anything. I what was it, Rebecca? Uh, well, um, Alex Singleton is a stud of a linebacker. Um, and it's a shame that he was under Gary and Duke Riley the whole season. Uh, Jordan Melata, left tackle. Um, I'm not sure what Dillard's going to do next year, but he's not going to be the left tackle. Um, I'll tell you that. And uh, Miles, still underutilized. I mean, the kid is averaging what? was averaging six yards a carry before. It's 5.6 now, yeah, I believe. Great. Awesome. Um, but, I mean, he could still be a top five running back in the league if he had an offensive coordinator who could do something with all this young talent. So, there's a so few, what you're saying is if a, te- if, a te- if a team ends up being um, rehauled at the front office and coaching level, somebody's going to be inheriting a pretty decent, young, talented roster for – potential turnaround and and success is that what you're saying Rebecca uh I mean <laughs> nah saying this, this uh, I would say there's a a, enough talent to do something in this division um <laughs> but not really contending at not right now no how many no. years do you think it'll take for this team to start contending oh, then not long you still have to turn around with Doug and Carson Frank Reich two years so I, if we get an offensive coordinator, it won't take us long at all. The defense is there. I mean, you know, we can still use a couple guys in the secondary and a linebacker. Um, but it's here. One or two years, I guarantee we'll be back. Not for long. NFL stands for not for long. You never know what will happen. So uh, that's my that's my silver lining. You never know what will happen in the long term. So stop uh, bashing this 2020 Eagles team thinking that it's going to be a, a terrible time to be an mm-hmm. Eagles fan for the long term. You never know what will happen in 2021. And um, the other silver lining is that this season's almost over. Yay. <laughs> Sixers basketball. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a difficult year for uh, for the Eagles. So, um, yes. fans, I feel like we just needed uh, some refreshing perspective. That's why I wanted to start the show so that it wasn't all just doom and gloom all the time. Try to talk about some other things going on and, and get some from some positive positivity. There are some difficult decisions that need to be made. And I think just putting on your, your GM hat or whatever really gives you some perspective when you talk about players like BG and, and what you have to do. It's a hard job. It's really a small margin of error for a lot of these guys. If you're drafting well, then the margin is a lot larger um, for success. Um, So that's really where I'll end it. We, we have a lot of um, things to look forward to. I think that things will turn around in, in the coming years. And I appreciate you all coming onto the show 
And uh, I appreciate all the listeners uh, for joining and listening the Kelly Green Show today. So fly, Eagles, fly. Woo. Thank you for having us. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Bye. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You can be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.